Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to this week's episode of Mill Liberty. I am thrilled to have you here. This is the voice of liberty for a new generation. I am your host, Caleb Franz. Uh, I hope you had a wonderful week in the in the past week that uh, since we have last heard from each other. Um, <clears throat> this week, I want to do a little bit of reflection in this week's episode uh, and a little bit of personal development, if if you will. Last week we, you know, we've we've done constitutional philosophy, and we've had several guests on um, since the beginning of this program way back in September. Uh, we've had panelists, and, and we've had wide ranges of discussions about a wide variety of topics, from the election to um, to to certain ideas and, and certain uh, certain ways to translate the message of liberty. But this week I, I wanted to talk with you about uh, a little bit of personal reflection and um, and our journey as a movement in in the liberty community and how we are ultimately winning. Even though it might not seem like that sometimes, I do think that we are in um, the best possible position that we could possibly be in right now. Sometimes it's very depressing for for some of us in, in the Liberty community, but I don't think that that should discourage us. Certainly when you look back at some, some past movements of, of similar caliber um, or of a similar cause and some of the ups and downs that they have had, it's nowhere near anything what we have gone through. It's nowhere near anything um, like what some of them went through. And I think it's important to remember and discuss where we've been, where we're going, and how we get there. Uh, and for me personally, I think that has partly to do with me telling you and um, engaging with you my personal journey into the Liberty Movement. <clears throat> this past weekend, I spent a fantastic weekend in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania for Young Americans for Liberty um, Regional Summit there, and they had a wide variety of topics that were discussed, some of the best um, discussions I have heard on wide ranges of issues from the debt, the national debt, um, some breakout panels uh, on that, the war on drugs, um, and just liberty as a whole. And what struck me, I, I, I found myself in, in constant mode of reflection, what struck me during that weekend when I was surrounded by people who had like-minded ideas, maybe not entirely like-minded, but people who at least had a basic concept and a basic understanding for what liberty is supposed to be and what they are fighting for. What struck me is that it was immensely positive. And that wasn't just because Ron Paul was coming that evening either, uh, who was, uh, it was incredible to finally meet Dr. Paul then. Um, I, I don't think it was because that Ron Paul was was coming later that evening. I, it struck me that 
the mood was immensely positive, despite the fact that we are currently in an era where um, liberty isn't necessarily popular on political terms. We are increasingly in an era where uh, partisanship is more popular than ever. People are taking sides left and right in an increasingly divisive way. There is no unifying force in American politics at this point. That's not to say there is no unifying force in the country, but in American politics, that's just not there. That's the simple fact about it. Because in politics currently, it's just that, politics. It's not about underlying principles. It's not about... Um, it's, it's not about what may drive you. It's not about the platform behind what your party may or uh, may not believe in. Because parties are merely vehicles. Parties, the Libertarian Party, the Republican Party, the Democratic Party, they're just modes of transportation for driving ideas. But what we have seen in the past years, decades, really in the past century... What we have seen is a decrease in fundamental belief and ideas and an increase in people fighting for the party instead of what the party is supposed to represent. That's concerning, but it's not winning. What I found this weekend at, um, at, the, at the summit in Pittsburgh this weekend was that liberty is incredibly popular, even though it might not be winning in, of, in the sense of politically speaking, even though it might not be winning in the sense of its, its popularity in D.C. That's to be expected. <laughs> the liberty movement is the antithesis of Washington, D.C., if, if, it was, if it was popular in Washington, D.C., I would be seriously concerned and seriously be questioning on whether or not I am on the right side of history. Because if something like that is popular in Washington, D.C., then something's wrong. Then we have to look back and see what it is that we're really fighting for. But you see, liberty isn't winning politics. Liberty isn't the winning argument in politics, I don't think. What it is doing, though, is that liberty is winning the cultural wars. And that's incredibly important. People understand, even though they may say that the Republicans are the, are the way to get it, or the Democrats are the way to get it, or the Libertarians are the way to get it, whatever party, people seem to at least understand that Liberty is something worth fighting for. And liberty is something that people want in life. It's unifying. It's a unifying force. At the summit this weekend, this past weekend that I went to, um, people weren't unifying behind political figureheads. People weren't unifying behind uh, Donald Trump or um, or you know, Bernie Sanders or people like that. Sure, Ron Paul was there, and he's been out of politics for a little bit now, though. Um, but the majority of the people who spoke there, the majority of the people who um, engaged with, with, the, with the students and, and the attendees there, they weren't politicians. 
that's that's done intentionally so, I believe. I can't speak for them and, and Young Americans for Liberty, but I, I think that what the representation and the ratio between political figures and non-political figures was very important. This ratio showed that we aren't that interested in, in uh, the way Washington works. We're interested in liberty. We are interested in a set of ideas that is taking the culture by storm. And from that cultural revolution, that's how true policy changes. And then I found myself in, um, in deep personal reflection whenever Ron Paul came onto stage and I sat back and listened to him and I realized that this is a guy that I really did not like even five years ago. Because liberty is a relatively, you know, relatively speaking, I, I'm not nearly, <laughs> I'm not nearly as uh, embedded, even though I, I think that way, and I, um, I'm sure many other people that I know think that, you know, this this kid is just, you know, the token libertarian. I, I did not like Ron Paul at all in 2012. I did. I didn't really know much about him in 2008, and uh, that was when I just began my political, um, my political experiences and and trying to find my philosophies and ideas and what I actually believed in politics. But while I didn't like Ron Paul per se, I did like the idea of liberty. So. My uh, philosophy, my underlying philosophy, didn't really change. But my understanding and my consistency did change. For example, one thing that Ron Paul said this weekend that I thought was incredible, honestly, I thought it was uh, profound, um, was when he spoke about military intervention, and specifically a military draft. And he said that I do not believe a military draft is compatible with a free society. I completely agree with that. 100%. But what I found astonishing in reflection was that that's something that I would have probably scoffed at just five years ago. That's something that I probably would have said that this guy seems like even though I know it's not true, he seems like he just hates America. He seems like um, you know, he, he, he isn't really supportive of, um, of the troops or anything like that. How completely wrong I was, obviously. Ron Paul is somebody who I did not like. I didn't like Rand Paul either at the time. But now both of them are, are individuals who I, I place in high regard. Now both individuals are people who I consider to have a strong influence on my way of thinking. I needed a bridge. I needed a bridge. I didn't always understand the philosophy and the mindset of the Liberty Movement. I understood loosely at the time um, what conservatism was really supposed to be about. 
it wasn't until after the 2012 election that I finally said that, you know what, I'm, I'm tired of just supporting people for their party lines, regardless of really what they actually stand for. I'm not, I, I drew the line in the sand after that because I didn't want to just blindly support somebody just because they are not as bad as the other candidates. I didn't want to blindly support somebody just because they have an R beside their name. I felt that was intellectually lazy and inconsistent with my philosophy because I understood that that government was the enemy. That government was um, the thing that I was supposed to be fighting against. The, the thing that I was supposed to be trying to shrink in size. And I realized that that's not exactly what I was doing when I was only supporting Republicans. I realized that that's not what I was doing when I was merely just saying that this guy is not as bad as Barack Obama. This guy is not as bad as uh, Hillary Clinton. I didn't do that this time around, clearly. I did not support Donald Trump because of that line in the sand that I drew. But because of that line in the sand that I drew, that is when I began accepting the fact that there might be something to the liberty movement. I, I thought very much in terms of being a big tent kind of guy, especially at the time. But at the same time, I thought that there had to be lines to be drawn, but I still needed something to get me to where I am today. I, I wasn't ready to hop in straight into Ron Paul's form of libertarianism, because I still thought that was a little bit crazy, to be honest. I thought that it, it didn't make a whole lot of sense in some regards with regards to, um, with regards to foreign policy and, and other aspects. I thought he was great on economics, but I was a little bit more hawkish back, back then than I would consider myself now. But what struck me was that I remember in 2013, I, I watched a speech on the Senate floor by Rand Paul. And Rand explained how um, it makes absolutely no sense to send money to countries who burn our flags and hate us. And for some reason, I don't know why, I can't explain why, but for some reason that connected with me. It spoke to my sense of, of patriotism. It spoke to my sense that um, America is an exceptional country. It spoke to my, my, my pride in, in my heart that I have for America. And it also spoke to my, uh, my ideas of, of limited government. It also spoke to my ideas of a sober foreign policy but I didn't quite know how to react to something like that. I didn't really know. I, I knew that I didn't want to be everywhere across the world at all times. It seemed like there were some occasions where it would make sense. It would make sense to send money or it would make sense to send military intervention. I was still looking throughout history trying to find answers to my questions. And... When I saw that speech by Rand Paul, that's, that, that spoke um, on, a, on a deeper level to me. I began reading more things within the Liberty Movement. I began um, looking at people who 
walk the line between libertarian and conservative and began really being attracted to, to those type of individuals. We've had many of them here on the program. Some of them have had a great influence in my way of thinking. Some of them um, I, <laughs> I didn't even consider uh, somebody who was a viable voice, a sane voice, until very recently. I watched uh, Glenn Beck as I was a, as I was a kid. I came home from school and I always turned on the TV at five o'clock and I, uh, I I watched him for an hour. And that honestly also had more of an influence on my libertarianism today, as as I know some of you might think that that's kind of a a weird flavor. That also had a very strong influence on my libertarianism today than what most other individuals would have had. Because Glenn was actually talking about things like F.A. Hayek. Uh, Glenn did entire episodes on history, on the Founding Fathers, on the Constitution, on Woodrow Wilson, on, um, on what natural rights were supposed to be. He brought on, he brought on individuals like uh, Rand Paul on his program and gave them a platform of which to speak to people who were outside their normal audience, to reach people beyond the typical libertarian audience. And because of that, I, I began giving credit to, to the liberty movement more credit than what I otherwise would have uh, given. And that's the point that I want to make um, on this episode. That's the point that I want to draw from this weekend, that you need to be somebody's bridge. Not everybody is going to be able to hop on to the liberty movement immediately. A lot of people think we're crazy, to be quite honest. I was one of them. If... Caleb from five years ago would know what Caleb in 2017 would look like and sound like and what kind of events that he would be going to and um, what, what kind of people he would be associating with, he would probably scoff because Caleb from back then thought that those kind of ideas were crazy talk. But at the same time, Caleb from back then also understood that the government that governs best governs least. Find those points of similarity and try to draw the bridge there. Try to start building that bridge because that's all anyone ever needs. You don't need to go on this big thesis. You don't need to go on and try to prove yourself smarter than the people that you are fighting. For the majority of people who actually want to just learn, work on the bridge. Try to find the bridge. For me, that bridge started with watching Glenn Beck um, every weekday for an hour on Fox News and learning about some of these people that I otherwise would have never even heard of or even considered if it wasn't for that. And then as the bridge continued to be built, that led to individuals like Rand Paul. Further down the line, it, it led to individuals like Judge Napolitano uh, who is one of the smartest people that I've ever heard speak. With a deep understanding of constitutional law, of what the Constitution um, is supposed to mean, what the Constitution 
was intended to do. And then eventually you wind up in, you know, Ron Paul territory or even Jeffrey Tucker, Murray Rothbard type territory. I'm not there. I, I don't intend on going full ANCAP or anything like that. Um, but I do consider myself a minarchist. And all that it took was somebody to give credibility to people who I otherwise thought was pretty crazy. That's what you have to do. You have to be that bridge for somebody. A lot of people in the room takes for granted what Ron Paul has done for the liberty movement. And I don't even think that um, it was entirely Ron Paul. But what Ron Paul did was he set a fire in people's stomach. He set a fire in, in people's belly to care about these kind of ideas. And because of that, individuals who dabbled in that idea gave more credibility to people like Ron Paul who otherwise wouldn't have. You have to be that Ron Paul to somebody. Or you have to be that Rand Paul to somebody. You have to be that Glenn Beck to somebody. You have to be that Judge Napolitano to somebody. We have to stop fighting so much with ourselves and start realizing where the unity can actually come from. We have to start realizing um, that our movement is much greater than any individual or any one person. We have to start realizing that the more people in our movement, with, of course, boundaries, the more people in our movement who have generally the same mindset as we do, makes us stronger. I absolutely believe that we should draw lines. I absolutely believe that we should make limits for ourselves and the kind of people that I don't want to try to approach. I don't think that people like Richard Spencer or or um, white nationalist libertarians, if that even is a thing, I do not think that those kind of people have any place in our movement. And I will I will never accept any kind of um, any kind of nationalism based on race or um, any kind of nationalism that puts anything above the individual. I will never accept that that kind of ideology in libertarianism. But what can be accepted is uh, people who have a basic understanding of what the Constitution is. They have a basic understanding of what liberty is and what limited government is. Those are the kind of people that we want and that we need. They could range from conservatarian um, they could range to constitutional conservative, all the way to the other side where you start getting the minarchists and anarchists. All of these people fight for generally the same cause. Now we have differences in approach or differences, slight differences in, in ideology, but we all generally agree that liberty must be first and foremost. We all generally agree that liberty, that limited government, that the Constitution, that must be placed first. That must be placed ahead of anything else. I don't really care who they voted for for president. 
What I do care is if they are willing to put their principles above their party. I do care about that. And that has to be so important moving forward. That has to be something that we all know and understand before we can change any hearts or minds. That we cannot give in to some of these ideologies and we cannot give up our fight for liberty. We have to reach more and more and more people. And the only way to do that is not by... Um, not by calling people statists or cucks or whatever you want to call them, even though sometimes that can be entertaining or um, justified in some sen- some instances. I do not think that that is the way to to win people win people over. What you can do, however, is use your logic. Use your understanding of liberty, but appeal to it. Appeal to that basic understanding that we all have. I don't know anyone who doesn't like the idea of liberty. There may be some people who would um, make exceptions for liberty. There would be some people who would say, oh, I like liberty, but... I don't know anyone, however, I that that just straight out hates freedom. <laughs> Who isn't in power, anyway. The average person just walking down the street, if you ask them, do you like being free, they're probably going to say yes. I don't know anyone who's going to say, no, I wish I was in jail. Or I don't know anyone who says, no, I wish I was in North Korea. Okay, that's not going to happen, for the most part. Appeal to their basic sense, this universal truth that liberty speaks to all of us. Make the logical connection for them, but then drive it home with an emotional appeal. Because they both have a place. What tends to happen is that one side will have a monopoly on logic, and the other side will have a monopoly on emotion, and then the two divided factions, the logical side... Um, or the logical group will say that these people uh, only think with their heart. They don't know how to think with their brain. They're just talking about what feels good, not what is actually right. And it has a very regressive effect to it. And that's, to some extent, correct, I would say. Then the other side will say that these people are nothing but um, a bunch of heartless hypocrites that should not be in power because they don't care about anyone. And that side also has a point. We have to make the understanding that liberty is not only the logical answer, it's also the, the um, compassionate answer. It's also the emotionally justifiable answer. A basic understanding of natural rights can appeal to your logic and your sense of compassion. A basic understanding of liberty is a basic basic understanding of love. It appeals to your brain and your heart. Only free people can maximize what they can do. 
Only free people are unlimited in their possibilities. Only free people can willingly give and help their fellow man. That is the liberty answer. That is the just answer. There is nothing compassionate about taking my money instead of willingly giving up your own, taking my money to give to somebody else. There's nothing compassionate about that. There's nothing compassionate about dropping bombs on the people who we're supposed to be helping. This makes sense. It this appeals to our state of emotion. This appeals to our state of, of compassion, our want to be loving, our want to be helpful and to be caring. It makes sense. It also makes sense because it appeals to our state of reason and our mentality of logic. We understand it because it, it the dots are connected in our mind. But not only is the docs are are the dots connected in our mind, it feels right. It feels right to give people freedom. It feels right to know that these people our countrymen can live free if they only accept it and will fight for it. That's the compassionate answer. Liberty is the compassionate answer. But we have to be able to make that connection. And the only way that you can make that connection is not by writing them off outright, is not by um, calling them names on social media, it's not by uh, calling them out and saying and calling them a, uh, an idiot or, or something to that effect. It's by appealing to their sense of reason, logic, and uh, emotion and compassion at the same time. That's what we have to do as a movement. Be the bridge for somebody. Take the time to understand where they come from and then hit the nail with the head. Hit the nail on the head in talking about liberty. Drive it home whenever you let them speak to you. Truly listen, and then draw the line between where they, uh, where their argument stands, and the true answer that lies in liberty. That's what we have to do moving forward. All right, that's it for this week. Um, it's a little bit of a shorter episode this week, but that's okay. I think that um, we'll have a very good. We had a very good discussion today, and I think that. Um, in the next few weeks, we'll certainly make up for it if you like the longer format of the episodes. Uh, remember that in a couple weeks here on <laughs> on 420, of all things, Matt Kibbe will be here on the Liberty, and we will have a wonderful discussion, I'm sure, about, um, among other things. He likes to talk about beer a lot, so there's, there's a good possibility that that might be a point of, of conversation. Um, but... Be sure to tune in for that, and be sure to come back next week for our 27th episode here on on Outset. Um, and be sure to follow me on Twitter, at Caleb Franz. Be sure to follow the show, at Mill Liberty. And subscribe to us on iTunes so that you will never miss an episode. And until next week, we'll see you.